Hi, and welcome to The Imperfect Brand, the podcast that listens to people just like you talk about their experiences running businesses just like yours, so that we can all benefit from the sort of relevant, hard-won knowledge that makes all the difference. I'm Ben Catley-Richardson. I'm your host. This is episode two, and I'm joined by Andy Middleton, who spent over 30 years at that coalface of business, the sales team. Andy has run his own business. He's driven sales from within various businesses, and now he specializes in helping businesses of all kinds work out where their next sale is coming from. Andy also has a passion for networking and sits as Nottinghamshire's regional director for the Katina Business Network. Welcome, Andy. Thank you for coming. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, prepared. So my last podcast was was definitely erring on imperfect. Yeah. So I think that's the the brand. So that's what we'll continue with. I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a question to start off with. Um, given your experience, which is, uh, what do you think makes someone good at sales? For me, the most important thing with sales is listening. Um, you don't pick up anything just by talking at people. You know, I've I've been to multiple networking events where you meet someone for the first time and they sell at you. They don't give you a chance to ask any questions and they just want to thrust their product onto you and walk away. And that, is, for me, that's not sales. You're not solving someone's problem. You're looking to plant something on their lap, take the money and run. And for me, that's not how it's done at all. You have to listen to the customer, figure out their pain points uh, just by carefully listening to what's being said and yes you have to you have to guide the conversation in the right way um but listening to what they say and then providing the answer to their problems fantastic i think really it's all about problems isn't it it's i mean yeah i mean that's why you know i'm sort of inviting you here today that's why i started this this podcast really is to look at people's problems and, yep. and how they've gotten over them and how we get through them. And yep. so why don't we just move straight on? So the, the first yep. goal really for me now is to talk to you or for you to talk about your own imperfections, sure. because the way I see it is that uh, learning is, is after all just failing in the right direction. It is. So Andy, what's the imperfect moment you're going to share with us? Okay, so the one that comes to mind, it, it doesn't haunt me anymore, but it used to, was when I sacked our biggest client, which is probably going back to 2009, 2010. And um, I won a contract to provide all the print for a large uh, international business, but we were only supplying the UK. Their head office was local to where I was based. And I went in to see them. I was doing bits and bobs for them. And they said they wanted to literally outsource everything. And for me to provide that outsource service, I need, I was just on my own at this point. I needed to buy kit, get a designer in and uh, make sure I could fill, fulfill all their jobs. And I did, and we won the contract. And we grew to a quarter of a million pound turnover. And this particular customer was a 90,000 pound client. So clearly a big cog um, in, in, our, in our wheel. Um, then I think it was the mad cow disease uh, hit. And 
Um, seems odd saying that now, considering what we're going through. But it was a pandemic at the time, I think. And um, they asked me to take all their stock that they had on their shelves and hold it for them. So I was providing a call-off service for all their print. All their members of staff were working pretty much from home. And I was told that um, I would have to uh, send these goods to the individuals as they required them. Absolutely no problem at all. Now, this was all medical uh, leaflets, pamphlets, um, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of them had really long names. Um, and what I asked them to do, or what I said I would do, is provide them with a what we, we'd literally call a call-off sheet. And then they would fax it through on a, a, a daily basis or scan it through, however they were going to send it to me. So I could literally go down the list and pick and pack what was required. Now, it started off okay, but then it got to a point where they, they got busy and they started to book the system. And they would just ring saying, can you send me this, that and the other? And as I say, because... Um, the, the names of these forms are all very similar, mistakes started to happen because I wasn't 100% clear on what they wanted. And I'd ring them back and then I get an answer phone. Then I get a message saying I've not received my goods. And it, it spiraled out of control very quickly. And the big lesson I should have learned at that point was to go, stop, let's retrace here because I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing you're not upholding your part of the bargain. I'm not charging you an awful lot for this service, but you're making it doubly difficult now for me to send the correct goods to the relevant people because they're not playing by the rules. And they said, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Nothing changed. And this went on for months and months. And I got a, a call from their head of marketing to come to a meeting. So I went up to the meeting and they got two or three of their sales staff who I was sending this stuff to. And we all sat down and it was all very pleasant. And then they told me that, uh, why was I cocking up so much? Why was I messing up every order? And I'm like, whoa, hold on a minute here. <laughs> I put this system in place, but you guys aren't using it. I said, so how am I expected to send the right goods to you when the names are all so similar, it's easy for us to make mistakes. And I have members of staff at this point. I remember coming back into the office one day. In fact, it was my birthday. It was November the 19th. And I walked back into the office. And as a treat, I never had a day off. As a treat, one of my mates took me for a round of golf, which I'm terrible at. But we had a lovely morning out. I walked into the office uh, in the afternoon, expecting life just to be as normal. And one of my members of staff was crying her eyes out. And I said, why are you crying? And she said, I've had a call from this particular customer who's gone mad at her because the system's broken down again, because we sent the wrong goods out. And I said, did you have an order form come through? No, it was a phone call. So I phoned the customer and I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I said, I started my own business to be happy to be in control and to enjoy life and business. I said, and you're making my life an absolute misery. 
I said, I'm not having it anymore. I will give you a week to find a new um, source for, for this, this project, but I don't want anything more to do with it. And within a, a week or so, um, a courier came round, picked up all their print, and it disappeared. And I never heard another thing from them until about six months later, the customer phoned me and said, could you offer a service where you come and collect the, the, the paperwork we don't do, that we don't use now, that's out of date, and could you um, uh, incinerate it for us? And I said, so I've gone being from a, a key supplier to a bin man. You can um, go away nicely, was I think as, you know, exactly how I put it. So my, my, my lesson from that was, it's gotta be a fair transaction. If you're doing your bit, the client's got to do their bit as well. And if you don't put your foot down hard enough, strong enough to make sure that it's comfortable, then things will go wrong. And that's exactly what happened. And I learned my lesson. So I think in a way that's, that's sort of a perfect moment to, to some degree, because you actually, you know, you spotted the impact it was having you made that decision immediately, even though it was such a huge client yeah. and you actually, um, you know, removed them from, mm. from, from the, uh, from the books, if you like, and therefore removed the problem. But if we go back to the, what really is the imperfect moment in that, which is when you agreed to do that thing and then it kind of progressed along the lines and, and didn't have a, um, a formalized way of being that they were observing. Yeah. If we kind of look at that, as, yeah. as really the, the the crux of the issue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how, how do you think you found yourself um, in, in a moment where they were able to operate beyond the letter of what had been agreed? I think it was because I was scared to put my foot down a little bit. Um, now I'm probably, uh, what, I'm, I'm 10, 11 years older now, and I think a lot wiser. And I would put my foot down earlier, but, it's, it's, it was almost because they were such a, a big cog in, in, our, in our business, I felt scared to say to them, this isn't right. I'm doing my bit. You need to do your bit. And in, instead, I find myself saying, do you think you could have a word with so-and-so to possibly get them to kindly, please, with cream on top, uh, fill the form in properly, please, dear customer, rather than just getting to the point of saying, look, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but... You, you need to fill these forms in. Otherwise, mistakes are going to happen, as, as they were. More mistakes are going to happen. But did, you, say, did, did you keep a record of those mistakes as you went along? We, uh, as such, yes. We, we, we tried our best to. Um, but you could, you could put virtually all the mistakes down. I had some, I had some great staff at the time, lovely, lovely um, people but they were very very good at their jobs and they weren't the type of people that would make mistakes on a regular basis everyone makes an error from time to time but the far majority of these incidents were because the phone call had come in as opposed to a form being filled in and we worked out that it was mainly from people who had gone into a meeting had come out of that meeting they're in the car they pick up their phone and say, say, I've just had a meeting with somebody. Can you send me X, Y, and Z leaflets? Rather than going home, filling the form out and sending it through. 
So it was their issue. I tried my best to, in the nicest possible way, correct it. But as I say, the mistake I made was not being strong enough, which I realized at a point down the road. Uh, but it was all, it had all gone by them. So uh, yeah, that was, that was my error. And um, when you're actually talking to a customer like that, I mean, obviously, eventually you basically said, that's enough, it, it's over. Yeah. Um, and they did sort of follow up on that. And as you say, within a week, they basically took their marching orders and did. What do yeah. you think would have happened if you had put your, your foot down earlier and you had said, look, this has got to stop, like you said, yeah, you should have stopped it. You should have said, no, 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 stop. This is how it works. You either go ahead like this or we don't do it again. What do you think their reaction would have been to that? Um, I think they would have been a bit miffed at the time, but we, you know, if I was still in print, I would still have them as a client today. I guess I, I, I would have had them as a, a long-term client. So it was, a, it would have been a short-term um uh, disagreement, let's say, followed by a long-term healthy relationship. And other than that, did you find working with them fine? A yeah. good kind of, yeah, positive relationship? Yeah, I, 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 go on, sorry. I was just going to say the interesting thing for me is you really pinpointed, um, in a way, the bleeding neck problem that yeah. they had, which is that they had a system and clearly the system wasn't really up to the needs of, of what they had because the needs were coming out of them need, you know, wanting, needing to make decisions on the fly, to have yeah. things happen when they really wanted them. Yeah. And obviously, they'd, they, in a way, they kind of created a, um, a rod for their own back yeah. of not being able to get the thing that they wanted because they had to go through the, the rigmarole, if you like, of, of going through this system. Um, but what I'm interested in is when you said, that's enough, <clears throat> they yeah. didn't come back they didn't argue they didn't go backwards and forwards and try and find a solution they just literally you know said okay fine we'll go somewhere else and my my wondering is whether actually if you would put your foot down earlier they may have just said you know what we're miffed and we'd rather go somewhere else where we don't get people who put their foot down maybe yeah maybe because the interesting thing isn't it is um we're talking about sales is as much about confidence and you auditioning them yeah. as them auditioning you yeah absolutely um up until this point we'd had a we had a, a very very healthy long-term relationship and a lot of their forms came from um their head office which was overseas but anything for uk um we we, we printed and it was a very as i say a very very healthy relationship um it was profitable for the company. Uh, they were happy because they were still making savings compared to buying from Germany. And it, it worked a treat. So this for me was just, uh, it was an escalation based on, on success. It was, it was forced upon them to a degree because of the foot and mouth. But as I say, the, 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 their, their inability to follow the simple instructions and then their, their denial because the conversation was was no it's not our fault it's completely your fault and i i just wanted to show them evidence but in the end i'm just like just take the whole thing away i just don't want the stress of it anymore yeah exactly i mean that was what immediately spoke to me was you know uh, that atmosphere that they had created which mm. was that they were doing what they felt to be right and yeah. actually the failing was on your part yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, it's interesting for me thinking about learning from that moment about the flags. So when you went forward from that, 
did you did you use that knowledge did you find that that had educated you on how to spot potential problem clients or potential problems that could rise up with clients uh, yes i suppose it made me more aware but also made me stronger in so fact insofar as um, if something needed to be said to uh, cut something off quickly for the long-term benefit that I would I would make that happen I would say something and how did you get on honestly I have to ask after that phase you know you're cutting what must have been you know what 25 40 percent of your revenue yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we struggled we struggled but in the end um, we got through and um, uh, completely honestly about it, we, we lost the business in the end, not for that reason, through something else. But that was a, a big lesson for me at the, at the time. And I've, I've always carried that forwards now. And I'm not afraid to say something if I think something's wrong. It's made me a stronger person for it. And you said um, at the beginning that it hadn't it doesn't haunt you anymore, but it did. It did. What, what was the point at which it stopped haunting you? Good question. Um, I think winning some large business, winning some big contracts, but being able to be frank and open and honest to the clients about them, to say, um, this is what we're going to do. This is what I need you to do. Are you happy with that? Great. Let's all agree to this and move forwards. And then you put down in writing what both parties are going to do and move forwards. It's clarity really, isn't it? It's that clarity. real need for clarity. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So, yes. So um, turning our gaze then from, from clarity on the past <laughs> to clarity in the future. Yes. Um, in your position now as, as, a, um, as a consultant sales uh, what would you say, consultant sales specialist um, and yeah. as the director of um, Nottinghamshire for Katina. Yeah. What's the, what's the bleeding neck problem, the most pressing challenge you're facing right now? Um, well, Katina is relatively new to me, but I, I love networking. I've been a member of Katina uh, for many years, but I didn't make the most of my membership. Um, I think we probably went to a handful of um, events to start with. And then once I understood more about how it works, um, it became clear. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a learning for me. But now I'm on the other side of that and I'm the franchisee. I'm trying to get the message across to current members and to new potential members of what Katina actually does. And it's not just your standard networking group. It's so much more than that. But until someone's willing to engage with you and talk about it, they view you as just another networking event. So it's getting that message across and finding new platforms to um, be able to uh, take a voice on and get that message out there, such as Instagram. Uh, we're, we're not really doing much on Instagram. So I am I'm on fast track learning for Instagram to um, get the younger generation of business people who are also on LinkedIn, but probably might be more prevalent on um, Instagram. So 
it's it's a learning for me. So I am sort of uh, going back to basics, let's say, and learning how to spread the word on different platforms, but getting that message across, pinpointing that message. Um, because I think if you asked 100 people, 100 members, they'd all immediately say, yeah, it's a networking group. But it's getting that message across that networking takes place, but it's so much more. And, and thinking about Instagram, um, yeah. and you've obviously, you know, decided and have that idea of who you're trying to contact on Instagram, because, um, you know, my instinct would say that um, the people that you currently sort of uh, move around wouldn't necessarily find you there or look for you there. Yeah. But you've gone to Instagram with that very specific um, intention of finding a younger generation of, of businesses. You've got and it. and how how are you going to go about that? So obviously Instagram's the channel; it's where you're going to find them. But yeah. what do you think their problem is? Their bleeding neck problem is that you might be able to solve and and show that you can solve through Instagram. Um, I think it's a, a question of getting across the fact that Katina's different. Um, you know, every time you go on any um, social media platform, there are lots of different people talking about lots of different events you can go to lots of different networking meetings so it's getting out there that we are different to that but it's it's a bit of a, a catch-22 but um you have to put hashtag networking in there but to 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 get onto those channels to um get to the right people but we're not a networking group as such Networking is something that does happen, but we don't put ourselves out there as a networking group. So it's just getting that message out there to them um, to attract the the younger um, uh, the, the younger business person. Because as you, as you rightly say, it's not the it's not the channel that you'd look at and go the current membership uh, would use, but times are changing. I think you have to change with them. If you don't look at new opportunities, then you're missing out. And I, th I think Instagram could be one to pick up, even if people don't go for it now, that it's still, um, it, it's still putting Katina in their minds. So it's more kind of brand building. It is it's brand awareness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that. Yeah. I'm just looking at some statistics. And so it says, uh, 30% of Instagram users in the UK, this is as of Feb 21 from statista.com, 30% of users are between the age of 25 and 34. Mm. So that sounds like, you know, that's the, the demographic you're, you're reaching for. You've got it. Yeah. And, and what do you think that demographic would bring to Katina? You know, why engage that demographic as opposed to, you know, the older demographic? I think it's going to bring uh, a, a a fresh business approach. Um, I think new ideas, younger ideas. Um, Katina's great, and there's there's a fantastic mix in there. But if if we don't move with the times and get the younger generation in, then it's going to die off, and that's not what any of us want. We want it to grow. Um, so I think there's always got to be uh, new blood coming in, so to speak, with new ideas. So, you know, uh, you know what it's like, we, we, we make a big deal of our members. Uh, you yourself have, have taken a speaking opportunity. And, you know, we, we want people to come in with fresh ideas, new approaches. 
So, and you know, if, if they're, it doesn't matter to me whether they're 25 or 65, it, it makes no odds. You can learn a lot from the older generation, but you can learn a lot from anyone. And uh, so, you know, ju just having that variety is what's going to make us stand out, I think. Yeah, I can really see that, you know, having a variety of, of business types, as well as the business demographic of people who are actually yeah, there, yeah. yeah, really, really um, bring things up um, that might not have been discussed otherwise. Yes. And um, so I guess really, that in terms of the biggest challenge then, so, you know, your overall challenge in a way is um, learning Instagram, getting to grips with it yourself. Yeah. Um, it's obviously, you know, where those people are that you're reaching out for. Do you have any um, specific ideas of, of how you might appeal to them, how you might actually grab their attention and, and what you uh, might do yet. to do that? I, I'm still early in the learning stage. So uh, I've only um, literally as of the weekend, uh, three days ago, started my Katina Knotts Instagram page. Um, so I think I've only put two or three posts up now, but uh, I'm just in the following people stage. So I'm trying to build the right community. Um, to start with and get my message out there but uh, I, I've in, for example I've interviewed my daughter who's 18 I've interviewed my stepdaughter who's 17 and I, I'm I'm trying to say okay what would you do if you were me on Instagram so I'm, I'm trying to learn from the kids so to speak um, but uh, there's, there's plenty of research to be done I, I love um, I love learning I'm a bit of a learning sponge so um, uh, when I'm not working I'm working by watching YouTube videos on getting the most out of Instagram. So, but as I say, very early stages of that, but I'm, I, you know, LinkedIn is a great platform for us. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't do the social media, but I'm sure we, we were on other channels as well, but um, I want to really make a big deal of Instagram now moving forwards. And I think, you know, to go back to where you started talking right at the beginning, that works brilliantly because what you've done is talk to the people that you're trying to contact yeah. and you're listening. Like you said, you know, the best process of sales isn't, isn't, you know, yabbering and, you know, forcing it's listening and understanding. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, that's your challenge now, right now, isn't it? Is, is trying to find a way to actually listen more to yeah. the people that you then want to talk to. Yes. And, you know, and that, that's the way that you're going to make some progress. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I can find the right people to talk to, you know, you, you start off close to home and you build out from there. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning, you know, as I say, I, I love learning and listening to people's advice. You know, you don't always take that advice on, but it's, it's good to listen. So uh, the, the, there's always a, uh, a cherry uh, that you can pull out and, um, and, and work on. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the way forwards for me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Andy. Really appreciate your time. That was really interesting. And um, I think it's that element as well we talked about of, of sales is such a uh, imposing kind of position to put people in is how do you sell something, but remembering yeah. that it's all about learning, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's the way that you're going to make progress. It is indeed. Well, thank you very much. And I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Andy. Take care. Bye. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the second episode of The Imperfect Brand. I'm Ben Catley-Richardson again, and I'm the strategic partner with Brandclear, 
and we like to see ourselves as the only brand specialists that can make it easier for you to deliver your long-term business objectives. I was really uh, happy to hear from Andy that approach of listening and clarity and um, talking to your audience because I think that's that's very much where marketing is at the moment and it's something that we all should be doing much much more. I don't think there's enough really, I don't think you can do enough of it. Obviously you have your time and you've got to split it between those tasks but really talking to the people that you're trying to actually um, sell to in the end, really understanding them is only ever going to make it easier for you to, uh, to make the difference for them. So again, I'm going to leave the podcast with my favourite word. I hope you've looked it up by now. And that is Forza. Forza, everybody. And see you next time.